Rachel. And welcome to the Tim's Take, episode 13. Oliver is officially three months old today. Three-month-old baby. We have been taking pictures each month, which is a very typical new parent thing to do for your first kid especially, and we put together a collage of his first three months today. Gosh, he just, he looked like him in the beginning. It just really feels like he's becoming more and more who he is he's meant to be it's fun to see the progression his destiny (laughs) yeah that felt a little more like (laughs) big world than i meant it to it's just cute to see him grow up (gasps) yeah it's interesting right because people will talk about oh they yeah they're looking more like themselves or something but he always looked like like himself himself. he just didn't look like a little boy it was like a newborn baby yeah i do feel like i've said to Matt over the past couple of weeks, oh, he kind of looks like the baby on the diaper thing, or he looks like the baby in the TV show we watch. And Matt's like, no, that's not true. He doesn't look at all like those kids. But to me, he still looks like a baby. And there's something about babies that all look somewhat similar. Yeah. I, I mean, I get that. That's all I'm trying to say. But he still looks very distinctive. I had the experience at some point this week of making a face, and I wasn't looking in the mirror. I was just making a face by myself. And I thought, I think... I think probably Oliver makes that face. <laughs> I that definitely see that when I look at you sometimes. I'm like, that's an Oliver face. Yeah, exactly. Well, I had a moment where I thought, without even seeing it, that felt like an Oliver face, which that's was very pretty weird. funny. Also tells you maybe how much time we spend just looking at his face. <laughs> a lot of our time. It's kind of amazing. I already felt like I spent a lot of time looking at your face, just being married to you, and then during COVID. But I look at Oliver's face even more than that. Yeah, and I mean, with my face, you're like, it's not enough. I can't get enough of it. I just want more. I just want more. (laughs) And now you have a child, and you know, it's really hard. I got more. (laughs) You can't look at our faces 24-7, Rachel. You have to do other things as well. I'll try to pace myself. (laughs) Shall we dive in? Yeah. All right. Something of note, a Tim's take, and I'm not just a parent, and... Well, you mailbag. Did, yeah, your hand was literally on the. Oh, I th- I thought <laughs> you were still missing a segment. You were. I was <laughs> teeing you up. It was a classic podcast. There's a mailbag. We got a physical mailbag this week that we're gonna share. Yep, that's that's exciting. So stay tuned for that at the end of the episode. Let's start with something of note. My something of note. Well, it all started two Fridays ago, when I was home alone with Oliver, and I just thought I'd look up tummy time. Oh, yes. And how much tummy time are we supposed to be doing? I wonder kind of where average children are at, right? Trying not to heap pressure on ourselves or on him unhelpfully. But Google did reveal to me we are probably underdoing this particular practice or have been underdoing this particular practice. And he's probably not quite where some children would be. Maybe most children. (laughs) And there is some backstory to this. So... If you've been a long-time listener of the pod, you would know that in the beginning, Oliver had lots of tension problems, which caused some major breastfeeding issues. Yep. And so our massage therapist suggested to not do tummy time for a while. And I think it was one of those cases where we just, we took that advice and then kind of never followed back up with her about when we should change that so even last time we saw her she was like so are you guys doing tummy time and i was like no we're not doing tummy time you haven't told us that we should start doing tummy time <laughs> yeah it was one of those things she doesn't make a mental note and say oh i should tell them to pick it up again yeah so anyway all that's to say background 
Oliver is maybe a little bit behind on that front. It's not having any negative consequences, but it's like, okay, I'm going to really make a concerted effort because we want to see him kind of lifting up his head. And so, I mean, he's lazy when we put him on his tummy. He just kind of lays there. But then I was doing more research this past Friday and I was reading about putting his shoulders and upper body on a pillow to help him kind of lift himself up. And I did that and suddenly he was lifting his neck and it felt like a big achievement. It was amazing. For him, but also for me. As a dad. As a dad, because I researched this, I implemented it, and look, it's strengthening his neck muscles. He's actually achieving uh, kind of a lifting up of himself, and I was delighted. It felt like a, a real parent success moment. So it felt good to think through and research and find something that could help him kind of begin rather than just laying there flat like a fish. So... And I will admit, I have not been the most diligent parent at this practice. And so really all of the credit goes to you. Well, I did today tell Oliver and Oliver confirmed that you are a pushover. And he has historically not really enjoyed tummy time. It's usually accompanied by quite a bit of crying. And, you know, mom doesn't really enjoy enjoy when her son's upset. I'm willing to do it. I am just more reluctant. Yeah, I just pull out all of, you know, the famous... Um, the famous pep talks from various sports movies and just tell him to push through it. It's only halftime, Ollie. Rally. Get your strength up. So anyway, that was a high for me. That was really fun to see. And also, it feels like tummy time and that next stage unlocks a lot of play possibilities. He's starting to bat toys and grasp onto things. So it's kind of a little bit of a precursor to some other kind of fun ways to engage with him. So that was me. That's a great high. Thank you. What was your something of note? My something of note was a low in that Oliver seems to have progressively gotten less enthralled with car rides. (laughs) I knew you were going to say this. Because it really gets to me. In the beginning, when he was was a wee lad, (laughs) he had no complaints about the car. Mm -hmm. He would just... He usually fussed a little bit when we put him into the car seat, which is understandable. There are straps going over you. You're being sucked into this little box. It's a stressful experience. But once we got in the car, he was totally fine. Then I would say in the last month and a half, we realized that when the car stops, even if the car is still running, if the car stops, he starts to get very annoyed oh yeah which really breaks down when both matt and i have experienced in the middle of a drive-through all the time he hates drive-throughs where you are stuck you cannot back up or go forward and he's just wailing and now you're trying to pay and get your food it's a whole debacle it's really scaring me off the whole drive-through thing i did have this experience this is a little plug for one of my favorite apps on my phone i had this experience at mcdonald's i stopped and he was crying. Now, had I tried to order, it would have been a nightmare. But I mobile ordered and paid in the McDonald's app. So then I just gave them my number and pulled right on through and got my food. So it was a bit of a lifesaver in that respect. It bought you a few seconds. Yeah. <laughs> McDonald's, we're looking for sponsorships. But now, within the last week or so, even when we're moving, yeah, he's just started crying. Tuesday night, we were coming home. Oh. 
gosh. From a whole ordeal of a Tuesday, which we don't need to necessarily go into all the details, but we're coming home later than usual. It was near his bedtime, and he is just wailing and crying, and Matt and I are trying to have a serious conversation, and it is very hard to have a serious conversation with a crying baby in the backseat. Not only a serious conversation, we were potentially trying to stop a thief. Yes, we are potentially trying to stop a criminal. It was a whole thing, none of which is advised when a child is in the backseat very upset. And it just rattles your brain. And you can't do anything about it because you're like, we're moving. Even if I stop, he's not necessarily going to get better because we've learned stopping in the car still makes him cry. So you just have to push through. But it's hard. That's my low. Yeah. I'm curious. I don't know if there's any research on the crying of a child and how it impacts different parents. Do you know anything about this? I don't know. I should look this up because I'm very curious because... I feel like it doesn't rattle me in quite the same way that it rattles you. Much more cold. Yeah, much more just shut off from the world and disengaged by my surroundings. No, I think usually if I have some understanding of why he's crying, it doesn't bother me as much. Sometimes I even find it endearing, which I feel bad about later. But <laughs> but when he's in the car, I just it feels like a mystery to me. I cannot understand why. At least when we first put him in the car, he's fine. And then at some point, something triggers and he just starts crying and crying and crying. And the pacifier doesn't help. It doesn't help if I'm in the back seat. I don't know what it is. And so the mystery of it really does get at me. Hmm. Yeah. I get that. I usually think if it's mysterious, then he's fine. <laughs> then he's not dying. So then we're he's not okay. Dying. Like I would know if there was something, if there was something really wrong. It's a fair point. Yeah. Well, that's a fair low. Yeah. Him in the him in the car has been a little rougher lately. Mm, yeah. Should we move on to takes? All right. Okay, here's my take. As a human being, trying to grow in general humanity, I recognize that it isn't always a great thing to blame other people for things that go wrong. Sometimes people it is their fault, but that's not always the case. And usually when the instinct to blame comes up, you ought to take a good look at yourself and see how you've contributed to the situation. But I just want to say there is maybe nothing quite as challenging to that process of growth as when you think something has woken up your child from a nap. Oh, man. Ain't that the truth? It turns the instinct to blame into a raging, fiery volcano inside of you. Even if you're not angry about it, you just, you you have to have something to blame. It could be that it was just time for him to wake up. It, it doesn't even matter if in 30 seconds you were going to go in and wake him up. But if it is somehow linked to an outside disturbance. Oh, man. Wrath be upon them. <laughs> wrath be upon them. You're not going to say anything to them because we're all way too passive aggressive for that. But you're just going to think internally. Oh, those leaf blowers. Oh, that garbage truck. Oh, Rachel screaming from the bathroom. I was going to say, I have been the recipient of this wrath this week. Because, folks, I was in the second bathroom this week and realized we were out of toilet paper. And so I had to yell to Matthew to get more toilet paper. And I said, Matt, Matt. And I tried to get slowly, slowly louder. But he I had, had headphones his headphones on. Headphones on. And so eventually I was screaming and maybe woke up Oliver. She comes out. I'm like, 
hey Rach do you remember that we had a sleeping child and she looks me straight in the face and just says no I, I forgot. didn't I forgot which I still marvel at that response but in that moment I had to work through a lot of instinctive blame so I just want to say to anyone who struggles with blaming other people for their misfortunes or woes well I'm right there with you and to point out, everyone is guilty because this morning, what did you drop at 6 a.m. when I was trying to get him to still sleep for another hour? I don't think that's relevant since he didn't actually wake up. Uh, he did. I <laughs> had to work my sleepy magic and get him back to bed. I dropped my headphones and then they bum, went bum, scattering. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> well, they're more like ear pods, so then they go uh, scattering all over Then he's floor. rummaging around trying to find, to, to find them. to find them. We all have sinned and fallen short. <laughs> the glory of God. Amen, Rachel. You too share my instinct to blame, I see. Yep. <laughs> all right, what's your take? My take this week is that as parents, we experience a lot of pressure to be good parents to our kid. Yeah. I experienced this. <laughs> kidding. As came saying. as came out in one of my counseling sessions this week, talking to my counselor, relating a different story, not necessarily related to Oliver, but I go through this whole story, trying to process some things, and at the end, she looks at me and she says, I think you put too much pressure on yourself. Yep. And it was one of those moments, I've only had a couple, maybe like five or six sessions with this counselor, started meeting with her, knowing... And and you know she's been sitting on this revelation <laughs> since the second session. No, I don't think she oh, has. Yeah. You know it's true. Um, but I started meeting with her, just wanting to be aware of postpartum issues that could come up. Anyway, she's been great, but I don't feel like we've touched on a lot of major life things but that was one of the first not we touched on major life things but i feel like we haven't gotten to the point where i just felt like someone ripped back the curtain and you were naked and exposed and you just were like yeah you know me more than i thought you did mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was one of those moments and then she said next week we should talk family of origin because usually that plays into these kind of things. And this is nothing about my parents. I love my parents. I have a great relationship. But in that moment, I did think, oh, my goodness, this is going to be Oliver in 20 years sitting at some counseling session talking about what we have done to him. Just saying, you know, I always felt like my dad was very cold and disengaged. <laughs> like I would cry and he just would, what just care. would ignore me. <laughs> And I, it reminded me of this podcast, other podcast that I listened to this week um, called Dadville, which mm -hmm. is by John McLaughlin and Dave Barnes. They host it. Great musicians. Highly recommend their music and the podcast. Wow. This episode was called Deep Lunges. And I had, to go, good episode. I had to go back. The whole episode is really hilarious, especially if you're in this kind of same phase that we are first couple weeks, months of a kid, just quite able to relate but at one point they're talking about how they feel this pressure and the weight of your kids formation being kind of on your shoulders mm -hmm. and Dave Barnes at one point says you know I think this is where forgiveness comes in and how you demonstrate that in front of your kids whether it's your spouse or to other people and to your kids 
because we all will fall short as parents. And we were even talking in a small group this week about some impacts that our family parent had had on us years ago that they don't remember. It's these small moments, right? But it it impacts you. And in the episode, Dave Bryan says, you know, we're all going to have these things. But what if when we realized that we mess up, we apologized and then associated with that memory for a kid is also your deep desire for redemption and you're admitting your brokenness. He kind of says, maybe that's a chance when we, for our kids, say that we're not God, but there is a God who is perfect. And that is a transition because for so long, our kids are going to think we're great. We're perfect. Like we do everything for them. Oliver will always think that about us. And then at some point, as people of faith, we want that to transition and us kind of admitting our mess ups is part of that. Hmm. Maybe you want that to transition. You know, <laughs> there kidding. is usually a history of humor deflecting <laughs> some serious <laughs> issues going on if I may counsel you. <laughs> okay, that's not what this podcast is about, though. No, that's, yeah, that's well said. That was a good point that they made that now you're making. That remains true. I will never make another joke to indicate how seriously I take this point. <laughs> good point. Thank you. Shall we move on to our second to last segment, actually? Sure. I'm not just a parent. Yep. I'll go first. Coffee snobs come at me, but I love my Nespresso espresso machine, which I guess, I don't know. Does that make me fancy? Probably not because it's just from a pod. I just put the little pod in. It draws a shot. I heat up some milk. I've got a nice little latte. I mean, if you like your pour over Chemex or your French press or your AeroPress, is that a thing? Or even your Mr. Coffee Maker. I don't know. Maybe you think you're better than me. And you know what? I'm going to be really honest with you. You probably are better than me. But I really like this little machine that we've got. It's brought me so much joy. And it is, I guess, maybe related to me being a parent. I drink more of it than ever as a parent. But I, I don't just drink it because I'm a parent. I drink it because I enjoy it. Shout out Nespresso, who also, one reason why we got this and not a Keurig is their pods are recyclable. This is really incredible. I was amazed by this this past week. Yeah, so we get free shipping bags with our orders that we then fill up with pods. I've only done this once because we don't drink that much coffee. And then we just take it to UPS and they scan it and ship it back and then they recycle. And we recently got an email from Nespresso saying they're working to basically reduce like their carbon footprint to almost nothing in the next three years or something. Yeah. So we had this huge bag. I mean, I don't know, two feet by two feet, something like that, full of coffee pods that are. It wasn't quite that big. (laughs) That's a really big bag. Something like that, that are aluminum. And we just take it and close it. They scan it. Done. It was kind of incredible. It was like, here's a year's worth of coffee because we got it a year ago after we came back from Australia, which this was very popular. And we got a little hooked to the ritual of it. I love it. That's my little plug for uh, Nespresso coffee makers. We just have a little guy, not a fancy, you know, I mean... Part of me would long for a fancy one with a little milk frother and all that, but what we have works great. So maybe one day, probably not. But yeah, that's mine. What's yours? What's your? I'm not just a parent. I'm not just a parent. 
is my struggle with adult birthdays. Oh my goodness, this is real for you. This is very real. My birthday is coming up on October 6th, and obviously everything is strange this year because of COVID, and so I'm kind of just over thinking too much about it, but I've always had a bit of a struggle. That's what Rachel said two weeks ago. Let me tell you, it's not been the case <laughs> in reality. Fine, like, call This out. birthday, whatever, uh, is COVID, is crazy. I, I don't even really want to think that much about it. We've, we've had multiple conversations about what her birthday is going to look like. That's fair. It does still matter to me. And this is my dilemma is birthdays matter to me. Traditions matter to me. I think celebrating things like that's a good desire and something we should do. I f- don't know how to do that as an adult. It's hard. You have friends who don't all know each other they're all from different places and so bring them all together usually is kind of uncomfortable we have a small space so our space doesn't make sense to even do one of those parties so then you're having to go out obviously not an option this year even outside is tricky you're in public then you can't do other things and so it's just it's always been a sore spot for me And I think, again, I just put too much pressure probably on the birthday itself and on me to be a good birthday host. So if anyone has any ideas, what I've come to realize is that I just need a birthday tradition. Traditions seem to take away a lot of the guesswork and planning, having to reinvent the wheel every year. And so Matt and I did this, do this for Valentine's Day. When we first were dating, we said, let's not do Valentine's Day gifts. Let's just get it each other a book every Valentine's Day. And it has been, honestly, that has been the biggest gift of all of those Valentine's Days is just not having to really worry about it too much. I know I'm going to get you a book. I'll do good research on getting you a book. I was about to say, I hope you worry about it a little bit. I'd like a quality book. But you're not having to pull from a million different options. Right. And Matt does this for his birthday, your birthday tradition. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember what we did last year, and 30 was its own unique thing. But every birthday in my 20s, from 21 to 29, Rubio's for lunch, a movie in the afternoon, either in the theater or at home, and then dinner with my parents, enchiladas and carrot cake we did this last year because for 30 oh, we went back to it yeah, for 31? Oh, because, good. because for 30 you oh, did do right, something did. different which was great but then you were discussing for a new decade should i pick a new tradition and then at the end of the day you just were like <laughs> nah i'm good let's go back to what i did for the last decade i mean it worked well it's a great tradition there's usually good movies out around christmas which my birthday is the day after christmas notice how we just casually dropped our birthdays in this podcast Anyway, so if anyone else has any good birthday traditions that I could adopt and just make the birthday planning process easier, I would love to hear from them. We could at least do Rubio's for lunch. No, I can't take your birthday (laughs) traditions. I need my own. I at least want that. I Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe I'll come up with some. Maybe whatever we do this year will become a birthday tradition, but I think I am on a hunt now for a good birthday tradition. That's a good thing to be on a hunt for, just in time to turn 30 and feel like you need a new decade's worth of tradition. Well, I do think, yeah, for your, I think maybe major milestone birthdays, you, you can do. break the tradition, do, do something, something special. special. So next year, I'll have to think about that. But for this year, I need a tradition. Maybe I can carry it into my next decade. I'm okay with that. All right. Well, we'll crowdsource it. See if anyone's got any ideas out there. 
let's uh, let's wrap up this episode. We're going a little bit longer than usual, but we've got to before we finish. Rachel, you want to tell about the mailbag? Yeah, so we got a physical piece of mail this week from uh, Lisa and the whole Crofter family. So Ashley is one of my best friends, and this is her uh, mom who sent me a card, and she was saying that she has really enjoyed listening to the podcast. Uh, She listened to it at a golf tournament that she helped work at this summer in which there were no spectators, so there was plenty of time to listen to podcasts. And she listened to ours, which was super sweet of her, and just said how much of an impact it could have on new parents those anticipating parenthood and i wish i had that 30 years ago well lisa as one of your daughter's best friends i think you already did a great job but it is fun to share our thoughts and opinions and commiserate along with other parents i wonder where a golf course ranks in terms of the best places to listen to the tim stake podcast Oh, that's a good most exotic places people have listened to. Oh, I would be curious. Okay, good. Our current our current bar is the golf course. If you can surpass the golf course, this is sort of like that game where it's uh, bigger or better. Uh huh. <laughs> you go around. So okay, bigger or better? Listening to this podcast on, on a the golf, golf course. course. We look forward to hearing your submissions. Yeah, I like that. Hmm? Cool. All thanks, right. Lisa. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. That was really sweet and a physical piece of mail. That that was a first. For us so that was very exciting rachel celebrated danced around the room it was great i do like mail all right well friends he's three months old today we love him he's changing our lives as you've heard throughout this podcast episode rachel's making a face at me because in a previous version of this ending she's the one who got to say that we love him and you scoffed at me scoff at you we love you, Oliver. We love Happy you, three Oliver. months, kiddo. Happy three months. All right, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And that is your Tim's day.